Trying times, times of crisis, have a way of revealing what our faith and hope really are in. And it reveals, like, like, do I have shallow faith or do I have real faith? Do I really believe? And that's what's happening to, to the world around us. And, and God is, is reviving our faith. Think about how much more each one of us prayed <laughs> this past week and thought about God and maybe hopefully tell people about Jesus. And that's the, the most important things we can be doing all the time. We started this series off last week called Invested, where we're looking at what does it mean to be invested into the things that are most important to Jesus. And I really honestly, um, last week was such a split decision to not meet together based upon new data and information that we were getting. And then we continued with that series. Kristen did a great job on, on teaching about how to maximize the time that we have. And I prayed about it and felt like we were to continue in this because I think God gave us this word prior to this crisis knowing exactly what was going to happen. And that kind of blows my mind that he, he had us ready for this. Um, when it comes to your life, your, your time, your talent, and your treasure, the things that, that make who you are, the time that you have, and the resources that you have, we have three choices when it comes to what we do with it. We can waste it, we can spend it, or we can invest it. And I believe Jesus wants each one of us to invest our time, talent, and our treasure into the things that are most important to him. Seeing this whole thing in the, the stock market, which makes me sad. It makes me sad for how that's all affecting um, so many of us and so many people. But when you think about investing in an investment property, invest in this, whatever it is, you're wanting a return on that. So we, we invest so that we get a return. Here's the deal you ha we have to understand. Investing our time, talent, and treasure into what's most important to Jesus, he promises a return on your investment in the life to come. That nothing in this world, nothing in this life can take it away. It's, it's sealed in uh, the, the, the safe of heaven, so to speak, for you. And he's going to reward each one of us. Not were we missionaries, pastors, or this or that, but were we faithful with our time, talent, and treasure to the things that are most important to him. So today we're going to talk about how do we maximize our talents? How do you maximize your talent? First Peter chapter 4, um, in, in verse 10, 1 Peter 4.10, he says, Each one should use whatever gift they have received to serve others faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. We've all been given gifts and talents and abilities, and Jesus wants us to use what we have invested in what's most important to him. And so what we're going to do the rest of this time together is we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul wrote the letter to Corinthians. He's an amazing man. Outside of Jesus, Paul might be the most important figure in, in Christianity. God used him in such a miraculous way, but he wasn't always a believer. He actually was a very righteous Jewish person in obeying the laws and all the things, you know, the, the, the ceremonial laws and all, all of that. He practiced to a T. 
And when the early church began to explode and people were, were calling Jesus the, the Jewish Messiah, they thought that that was you know, blasphemy. So he thought he was doing God a favor by persecuting Christians, literally killing them. And this guy who was persecuting the church one day found himself on the road to go to another city. It was the Damascus Road to persecute more Christians. And Jesus appears to him. He says, Saul, he changed his name to Paul. He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus identified with the body of Christ. Why are you per persecuting me? And, and the long and short of it is Paul was, was converted to be a follower of Jesus in that moment. And Jesus called him to be one of the greatest mouthpieces, so to speak, to spread the gospel. That Jesus Christ had, had died on the cross and rose from the dead and defeated death, the devil, and sin. And so Paul went and spread the gospel throughout the world. And one of the places he did that in was a town called Corinth, which is still a city in, in modern day Greece. So he writes them this letter. Um, there were people gossiping about Paul's ministry, uh, gossiping, talking behind his back. And he's writing the, the Corinthian church a letter, kind of almost feeling like he has to defend himself. But I think he gives us such a cool insight into how you and I can maximize the, the gifts, talents, and abilities that, that God has given us. So the first thing, if you're writing down uh, notes, if you're doing it on the app or, or whatever, remember God can use anyone. God can use anyone. That's uh, so, so important that we remember that. Um, the very first verse there, chapter 2 Corinthians 4.1, he says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. He, did you catch that? It's through God's mercy that he had any ministry. He, Paul knew that it wasn't him that had done the work. It was God working in and through them. It was all by God's mercy, all by God's grace. Our opening text in 1 Peter 4.10, it's, it's use, everything we have is given by God's grace. We didn't earn it. He gave it to us as a gift. So God can use any of us, and each one of us have been given gifts and abilities by God. Here's what I'm praying for in the middle of this crisis, that it probably and prayerfully will diminish at some point, and whatever the new norm will be, we'll, we'll go to that new norm. I pray the, moment, the spiritual momentum that is, is happening will continue to press on the days that follow that. And so God can use you. He wants to use you. He, he's got an invitation that he can use anyone. And you probably, some of you are thinking to yourself, Scott, I'm disqualified. Um, you don't know the sins that I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know um, the bad choices that I've made. And, and maybe I don't. But what you, what you have to remember is go through the Bible. Look at the list of characters throughout the Bible that God used that had poor choices, fear, doubt, sin. I mean, and God still used them. I mean, we have David who committed adultery and murder, but he was still a man after God's own heart. Jesus is the one that qualifies the disqualified. So if you feel disqualified today, join the club, right? We're, we're, I'm in that with you. But he has qualified you and I. And we moved from being sinners to saints because of what Jesus did for us. 
And then you might feel underqualified or un unqualified that God can use you. Let me remind you in the Old Testament, God spoke his word through a donkey. So if he can use a donkey, he can use this donkey. <laughs> he can use you, Mr. and Mrs. Donkey. Like God can use anybody. He, look at the disciples that Jesus used. To, to, he called. They were all blue-collar fishermen and tax collectors. They weren't the cream of the crop that had Harvard educations and, and clean lives and all of that. God, Jesus came and picked some, uh, some, some blue-collar dudes to, to do the work of his, his ministry. So God can use anyone. So if you hear that voice that says, you know, you don't have what it takes, I would say maybe agree. I don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes, but does Jesus have what it takes? Of course he does. And it's him living and working in us. It's all by his mercy. The second thing to maximize our talent is remember to be yourself. Remember to be yourself. Paul says, rather we renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So here's the deal. God doesn't want any of us to be the next Billy Graham. He wants us to be the best version of us, to be the best version of ourselves. He didn't ask you and I to be Billy Graham. He asked you to be you. He asked me to be me. So how do we do that? We do that by getting to know your shape. And just as in the physical realm. We, we all come in different shapes and sizes, right? Um, God has shaped us in our lives in a way that if we know how we're shaped, we identify that, it helps us position ourselves to be used by Him. So it's an acronym, SHAPE. What does the S stand for? Spiritual gifts. I could do, we, we could do a series on spiritual gifts and, and, and spend a lot of time on it. I'm not going to do that, but I want to just give you a, a three New Testament passages on spiritual gifts and how to kind of remember them and see maybe how God has used you or how you think maybe he has wired you. Um, there's going to be some tools coming soon that you're going to get to work through to be able to kind of work through um, what's the best, best path for you to serve in using your shape. Um, Romans chapter 12 verses 4 through 8 is what we call the ministry gifts. God is placed within each one of us um, a gift to minister to the body of Christ. Um, I know I'm not the world's greatest teacher or communicator, but I know God gave me the gift of teaching and leading. Um, when you have a gift and you start identifying it, the more you practice it, the more confidence you get in it. The very first message I ever gave was before a high school youth group, and it probably was the worst message ever preached in the history of, of since the New Testament, <laughs> easily. And, but I knew the gift was there and more and more as I, my confidence was in Jesus and not in me, then I think God started using me more and more. I'm not making this about me. I'm just telling you, I know my gifts. You need to know yours. So read Romans 12, four through eight and begin to pray about which, which one of those you, might you lean, lean towards. One of the, the gifts in Romans 12 is generous giving. Did you know that? Generous giving is a spiritual gift. We're all called to be generous with our, our resources, but God has specifically gifted some people to create wealth 
to fund the kingdom of God. We have people like that in our church. Another gift is, is mercy, to, to care for people in times of need. So you may have that spiritual gift and you're gonna find yourself exercising that during this time of crisis. The second set of, of gifts is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. And we call those, I call them the manifestation gifts. It's, it's when the Holy Spirit decides to manifest himself and his power in people's lives through the gift of healing or miracles, things of that nature. And we see it throughout you know, the Bible, the New Testament. I've seen somebody be healed before. I, was, I was, saw that happen. Does it happen every day? Does it happen every time we pray? No, it doesn't. But we're to seek God for these manifestation gifts. And, and it says that it, those gifts are given as the Spirit wills. So we seek Him. He gives it when it's the, the right time for it. Then the last set of gifts is what we would call the maturing gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 says that Jesus gave gifts to the church of apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Now, and it says that their job, the gifts, those gifts to the church are there to equip the saints, to equip people to do the work of the ministry. As your pastor, it's not my job to do all the work of the ministry. I'm actually not being a true to what Ephesians 4 says, if I'm doing everything or if, if a few people are doing everything, my job is to equip you so that you can go do the work of the ministry and that we equip one another. And the more we equip one another, the more ministry can happen in a church. The more we just depend upon the professional, the less ministry really happens. We end up wearing people out. So remember that. Let's have a change in, my, in, our, in our minds about who's to do the work of the ministry. And right now is an opportunity for us to care for one another, to do ministry to, to one another in that way. So uh, the H, what is the H in shape? Um, the H is your heart, your, your passion. What are you passionate about? What gets you excited? What keeps you up at night? What concern in the world do you, besides the crisis, do you have you had on your mind? That what is in your heart? So maybe write that down. The A in shape is your abilities. What are your just God-given natural abilities? For me, I know that construction is not my gift. Like I, I couldn't put a table together. I couldn't do anything when it comes with tools. I am not gifted in that way. I couldn't fix a car. I don't have those kind of abilities. Um, but just as not everybody is a communicator or, or whatever, not every, everybody has the same skill set. You have skills that can be used to, to maximize your talents for the kingdom of God. Think about that. What are, your, what are your natural abilities? So let's go to the P in shape. That's your personality. Um, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Know yourself. If somebody's extremely introverted, they're probably not going to want to be out front and speak and so forth. But there's a place for all of us. So the more we know ourselves and know our personalities, the, the better we can maximize our gifts and talents. And then lastly, E, your life experience. What, what have you learned in life? What have you done in life? What, 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 what jobs have you had? What relationship uh, equity do you have? What, what difficulties maybe have you gone through? We all have life experience, and that helps us when we recognize our life experience. 
and we can certainly um, help others with what we've learned about life and our experiences in it. Next, um, I want you to write down or, or, or think about is, is if we're going to maximize our talent, our gifts and talents, is remember it's not about you. Every time I go to teach, preach, do ministry, I remind myself of two things, that this isn't about me. It's not about my glory. It's not about people liking me or not liking me or this or that. It's about Jesus. And my job is to, to through how God's wired me, point people to Jesus and that apart from him, I can do nothing. So it's not about us. And apart from him, we can do nothing. Paul continues in this chapter. He says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Years ago, uh, my oldest daughter made this little ceramic thing. I, I've kept it since she was like in middle school. And I, uh, I keep my guitar picks in it normally. But I wanted to give you an illustration about what I think Paul is saying there, that it's not about us. It's not about the clay pot. We, we are clay pots. It, what's inside is what it's about. And that's Jesus living inside of you and I. You like the fact that he called you a, a clay pot? But that's what we are. But we contain the most glorious treasure. And so I put something inside of here that is of such treasure to our family. Inside this is my wife Janelle's wedding ring. And this is a treasure to us. The, this ring was worn by my great-grandmother, and it, it was passed down, and, and it was, I was able to give this ring to Janelle. So not only is it a cool-looking ring, a nice ring, it's a family heirloom. But remember, this is you, the treasure. The treasure is Jesus. So it's not about us. Always keep our mind on that. Next thing I want to tell you, if we're going to maximize our, our talents, is to remember to invest in your own spiritual growth. I can't emphasize that more. That you're not, just, you're not going to grow spiritually just because. You have to put effort, just like anything in life where you want to mature and grow in, you have to have discipline. You have to, to exercise, so to speak. And so God gave us spiritual exercises that we can do that help you and I both mature. Um, in verse 6, Paul says, For God, who said, Let the light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. As I was putting this together, there was a lot of you on my heart that you're, you're, you're just getting to know Jesus. You're just, you're maybe even today, you're, you're wanting to know who he is or more. And you are really on my heart in this, that, that you, you right now have an opportunity to get to know him like never before through reading the Bible for yourself, through prayer, um, the, the spiritual exercises to strengthen your faith. Because the more we get to know him, the more familiar we get with his word. And in prayer, we get familiar with his presence. And then in times of crisis, we'll walk in hope and faith rather than letting fear be victorious over us. The closer we get 
to God, the more he uses us, the more he can use us because we're walking in faith. We're walking in hope. Jesus had, had I, I like to say, discipleship is, is arranging our lives around the same priorities and practices that Jesus had. Jesus, his priorities was loving God and loving people. So how he spent his time and, and life was all wrapped in that. But his practices, he practiced spiritual exercises. The Son of God did that as our teacher and as our example. He did prayer. He knew the scriptures. He would go and be alone and be quiet. He always, there was this pattern in the Gospels of Jesus going, praying, being alone, and then being poured out and doing ministry. We often do it backwards. Um, the goal of spiritual growth, the, the goal of spiritual um, you know, maturity is that we get to know him. That's so important. We're not just doing a duty. We're doing something to grow. Um, so here's what I want you to do right now. This is something that's going to begin tomorrow, is go online, go to Facebook. And if you don't have a Facebook account, would you please create one? And if you say, well, I don't want to be on Facebook, don't be on Facebook for any reason other than what I'm about to tell you. We have a Facebook group called the TND Facebook group. It's under Novation Church TND uh, Facebook page. And we're going to begin tomorrow daily content to help you with your spiritual growth. We actually were talking about this. Chris Ingalls, who leads our spiritual growth department, uh, not department, um, pillar in our church, um, that we should have been doing this anyway. And we're going to continue doing this beyond the crisis. Daily content from the, the TND Facebook page. So please, even now, if, if you need to mute me to go do it, do it. But if you're already on Facebook, piece of cake for, for you, you to do that. Next point I want to make is to maximize our talent is to remember to invest your pain rather than waste it. Um, God never wastes a hurt. And as I was praying through this, I don't know the pain that people are going to go through. There are people already in pain that have lost their jobs and money and all kinds of tough stuff people are going through. But God, if you, if you trust the Lord in this, he will use your pain eventually, so that you can help somebody else. The Apostle Paul and his companions went through pain left and right, physical pain, relational pain, emotional pain. Paul was beaten. He was, uh, had rocks thrown at him. He, he was in prison, shipwrecked, and he eventually died at the hands of the Roman emperor who tried to scare Christians, and he was beheaded. That's how Paul died. But Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 that we are to, it says, praise God who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can learn how to comfort others. If you don't go through pain, you don't necessarily know how to comfort somebody's pain that's different than yours. But when you go through pain and you receive healing, grace, comfort from God, then you can then give that comfort to somebody else. So whatever we're going through, Paul says we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. That was a word of you know, faith that he was, he was speaking there. So you either have gone through pain, and you, God's already used you to learn how to comfort others. 
When you go through pain, seek God for his comfort so that you can learn how to comfort others. I have a, a scar on my left arm from high school football when my arm got uh, pinched in between two helmets and my arm got cut pretty bad. And every time I see that scar, I think I can remember where I was when that happened. The painful events in life, I don't, I don't sit around and have that, it doesn't hurt me anymore. This was years later. And the same thing, whatever painful experience you're going to go through, God's going to heal. And God is going to allow you to invest that pain to help somebody else. All right, the next thing is remember to invest in others. I had so much fun in studying this because I had such an aha moment. Let me read what Paul says. He first quotes from the Old Testament. He says, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. He said, all this is for your benefit. In other words, I'm investing in you. I'm expecting a return on my investment as it reaches more and more and more people. So we need to invest in others. I was thinking about Jesus. The first thing Jesus did before he set out on his three years of ministry is he recruited people to help. He recruited others to invest in. And Jesus spent that three years not doing it all by himself, but he taught them how to do ministry. He was preparing them for what was going to happen when he was going to go back to heaven. And using the stock market, so to speak, is they tell you in the stock market to buy low on your investment. If you can buy low, then you, know, you get a bigger return on your investment, your money, and so forth. In a sense, Jesus bought low with the disciples. Like again, I told you, they weren't the cream of the crop, Harvard grads, seminary grads. They were blue collar, ordinary dudes and uh, had colorful backgrounds. And Jesus bought low and he, they, he was investing in them. Now think, this is what hit me and why this was exciting to me. What was Jesus's return on his investment in his disciples? You and me. The disciples were transformed and changed by what they saw in the resurrection of Jesus and his commissioning of them. And filled with the Holy Spirit, they went throughout the world preaching the good news that I'm talking about to you right now. The good news that has changed your life, changed mine, and is going to continue to change lives until Jesus returns. So keep investing in others. Jesus got such an amazing return on his investment in 12 people. The world's been changed. It's gone throughout the world. We're part of his return. The last thing I want to share with you this morning is to remember to think eternally. Remember to think eternally. I love this passage of Scripture. We need this passage of Scripture today, big time. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. He wants us to fix our eyes on eternity. This world will never be heaven. This world is always going to have trials and tribulations until Jesus returns and renews all things. He promised there was coming a day when he was going to renew all things. We're not there. And this crisis you know, that's happening globally uh, will probably fade away, but we're still individually going to go through um, tough times. Those won't go away. It's just part of being in a broken world. So let's fix our eyes and our hearts and think eternally. You want to have maximum, maximize your talents, man, think eternally. How does what I'm doing with my time, talent, and treasure, um, how does it line up with what's most important and what's eternal? It's you and I putting our trust that the best is yet to come. It's you and I living our lives in such a way that, that what we say we believe, we live out because it matters for eternity. That's maximizing our lives for Jesus promising to reward us. He said that over and over again. And I so, so think sometimes people struggle with, with rewards. Oh, I, I don't need anything. If Jesus promises rewards, I want them. Those are, it's a noble and good. And if you invest your life, if you invest your time, if you invest your talent, and as we'll talk about in the future, our treasures into what matters most to him in eternal things, then we are going to get rewarded in the life to come. I want to close with one passage, one verse that Paul said in Philippians 1. He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And what I want to leave you with this morning, a thought to get you through the next few days is to live as Christ, to die as gain. We can't lose. No matter what happens in this crisis or anything to come, we can't lose. To live as Jesus, that's his abundant life that he promised us. A life filled with joy and peace in the midst of chaos. When times are good and smooth, it's still his joy and peace. To die is gain. No matter what happens, we all have to face that doorway. But when you think about to die as gain means we go to be with Jesus face to face. And we're going to be with him in a place where there's no sorrow, no sickness, no disease, no sin. We're longing for that, longing for his return. Um, our young people at Novation, our, our students, I know sometimes when old farts like me start talking about the return of Jesus and there, there's a thought that maybe you think, well, I, I want to be married or I want to do this experience or whatever. It's okay that you feel like that. Um, I, I, I can relate as you know, a 52-year-old. I want to see grandkids and stuff too. That's the human part of us that doesn't understand what's to come in, in, in the life to come. But I can promise you, whatever the sweetest life is here on earth, when we die, when he returns and sets up his kingdom, it's going to be great. So let's pray. Lord, you're so sovereign. And we thank you this morning that you're in control. I thank you for my novation family and friends that, Lord, things are heavy on all our hearts. There's burdens we're bearing. 
Thank you for carrying our burdens through one another, through the Spirit, and through your truth. Bless each person today with a deeper desire to maximize their gifts, their talents, and abilities, to find them and use them. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget to go to the TND Facebook page for uh, spiritual growth content coming out daily starting um, tomorrow. And then um, visit the Novation, regular Novation Facebook page. We communicate through that a lot. You can download the Novation app, and we're going to try to continue to just virtually do church and love one another and care for one another. But please do me a favor. Reach out to someone in our church today. Whoever pops to your mind, take time to text, call, email, and let's care for one another. And through God's grace, we'll get through this.